Untitled Friends. Hi, everyone. Hello, and welcome to Art Time of the Month, February edition. Yes. Yay. The shortest month of the year. It is the short, but there was a lot this month. Yes. I am Wendy. I am Joe. Safine. I was like, she's probably going to add the Safine, so. I fine. mean. <laughs> Why do we sound same. like the delicious dish? We sound like, you know, hi, everybody. We do. I'm, <laughs> this is fresh air. I'm Terry Gross. Uh-huh. Can we just go the Tara and Johnny route? Yes. <laughs> Mother. Mommy, right? Oh, God. It was so bad. No, we can't. Well, we're already getting into it. So. All right. Let's get into it. So um, as Joe has deemed me the whoopee of this table. Yes. <laughs> and the moderator, and I'm going to kind of just like list the... Um, the agenda for today, the things we need to discuss are um, Super Bowl, halftime show, mm-hmm. and anthem and all that hoo-ha, the Olympics, um, and friends, if no other art happened this month, Black Panther happened. Yeah. And we're going to discuss the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. We and saw it together. We saw it together. We held hands. Mm-hmm. We cried tears. Black empowered tears. We like, <laughs> we fanned ourselves with the vapors of all the men and oh, some God. of the women. I'm going to, I'm going to shelve this topic because okay. we'll get to that. <laughs> We're going to get to it, And then, uh, we also wanted to discuss the, the rebirth of Will and Grace. We're going to keep you up to date on drag race realness. And then, uh, we also want to discuss the, the, um, the renaissance of Queer Eye for the straight guy. Yes. Yeah. Um, just to fulfill, you know, Joe's gay shit yeah. on this episode. <laughs> Joe's gay shit corner. We need a, we need a special <laughs> like theme. It's like, it's the gay shit corner. Gay shit corner with Joe. Safine. Boo. <laughs> and then like some cheesy tagline. Yeah, that's pretty much it. My I mean, we just did it. I mean, that just happened. So. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So let's start with the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. February started with sports, guys. And while this might be a little contradictive to art time of the month, um, there is, ironically, tons of art peppered into the sports. So, um, Super Bowl. Let's start with the anthem, Pink. Pink. What were your thoughts? I didn't think that she did that bad of a job. I I thought that she might have had, like, a rough patch here and there, but... I just kept thinking, my God, it's probably freezing. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know. So I don't follow her on any social. I didn't know that she was struggling with like death, being deathly ill. I didn't know that until after the fact either. What I did note was that she like was ripping off Whitney's arrangement mm. of the Super Bowl. Like she pretty much almost note for note, like mm. went the Whitney route on that anthem, which, you know, respect. Yeah. I mean, uh, and at first I was like, oh, you're not going there. No, no, no. And then I was like, oh, but you got the flu. Oh, okay. Yeah. Respect. Respect. <laughs> And that was a lozenge, not like gum, <laughs> right? She, I think she clapped back because she like took something out of her mouth before everything happened. Oh, I happened. didn't pay that close attention. Well, yeah. So like she took something out of her mouth and then she was getting dragged on Twitter about like, oh my God, she's like taking her gum out and blah, blah, blah. Right before like her cameras are mm. on her. And she was all like, it was a lozenge. I was like sick. <laughs> Come and it for was me, like bitch. two degrees. Yeah. Also I'm pink. Suck it. Suck my dick. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um... So, yeah, respect. Pink's done some good shit this year. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, we have to talk about JT. I legit, like, took notes whilst watching yes. his well, halftime show. But before the halftime show, mm-hmm. the, if we have to talk about anything 
<clears throat> if we have to talk about anything about the actual game, these are the notes that I took. I took uh, Tom Brady's haircut's tragic. Oh, yo. Yes. What was that about? He had like a know. weird schoolboy... Page boy haircut. Well, you know, he supports Trump, so probably no one wanted to touch his hair. And maybe Giselle was like, I don't, I, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, when you're, when you're like Giselle's husband, uh, like even Leo kept it tight, you know, like. These references are a bit lost on me, but I'm glad his team lost. Yes. As he was clearly just supporting. Um, Nick Foles of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles is a Super Bowl Bay. Um, he just like looked like every rough trade that I love um, with a scruff and blonde hair. Uh-huh. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know who he is or what he does. I just know that when he crossed across the screen, I texted Wendy. I'm like Nick Foles. Super Bowl Bay. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not watching the game. I kind of watched the game in reverse. Like I muted the game mm-hmm. and then I was watching the commercials, which were lame as hell this year. Yeah, Lots of lame commercials. Really lame. There was just really all like movie trailers and there was maybe one or two that like eh, were kind of smart, but they were whack this year. Yeah, I thought it was much better last year, even with like I couldn't tell you shit about last year's Super Bowl. Well, last year there was a <laughs> lot more like conscious, like quote unquote woke ones, just because it was like yeah. the first Super Bowl. And I would the... expect that this year more than anything, but yeah. I will. Um, yeah. So that's that's pretty much all I got about the actual game of it. Okay. Joe pays attention to the actual sport of it all. I, mm, Although, did I tell you that I got roped into fantasy football this year at work? You said something about that, and I would like you to elaborate. Okay, I'm going to tell you how I got roped into and won oh, my no. fantasy football league this year. <laughs> so, at work, I'm a teacher, and um, so at school, a teacher came up to me and was like, Wendy, we're putting together a fantasy football league. And I was like, nope. Do they not know you? <laughs> That's exactly what I asked them. I was like, you've met me, right? Okay. And then uh, they were like, come on, it'll be fun. We just need like one more player to complete our roster or whatever. I was like, I don't even know what those words mean. What are you? Whatever. Um, they bullied me into doing it. And I was like, listen, fine. But here's the thing. You don't want me to be on this roster. Because I won't care at all about this. (laughs) I won't watch a single fucking game. And I will win. I will take all your money because I don't care. Because I am a child of the universe and I win shit like this. That's what happens. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, Wendy. We'll take your money, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you have been warned, friends. You have been warned. You gave them a warning. Wendy has spoken. And therefore, anyway, so... They enter me into this league. I get a team. Apparently, I read I read my my roster of players to my brother, and he was like, "What the fuck? You have the most amazing team. You're totally gonna win this." And I was like, "Really?" I st- to this day, I think I had Tom Brady on my roster, but I don't know who anyone else was. Um, I had Juju, Juju Safarian oh, Jenkins. See, I just even. liked his name. Yeah. That's it, really. So. Every week I would call my brother. <laughs> yes. Every week my brother. So everyone in my my school was really playing my brother in fantasy football. And I was the idiot that was like, oh, I like this guy. He looks <laughs> like someone I'd go on a date with. And then I'd be like, oh, this guy kind of looks like a campus rapist. We're not going to have no, him on my team. Not him. And I was like, oh, that guy looks like Jesus. Okay, I'll have him on my team. They were like, that's how I judged people. My brother was like laughing at me. He was like, whatever. And But I was winning every week, every week, every week. Yes. In the end... I was in the playoffs 
And then the mighty started falling. And in the end, I won the pot. And what did I do with that money? I went out and I bought a pair of designer Michael Kors shoes. Yes. Thank you, football. Yes. Yes. So there it is. And then I made a big damn deal about it at school when we came back from break. Oh, my God. They must hate you. I know. I'm like, hey, guys, remember that time that I played sports? I'm totally an athlete. Look at my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't come for me. I warned you. I warned you. I was like, you didn't want me on your team. Yeah. Anyway. They had been warned, and nevertheless, you persisted. Listen to mother. Yes. Anyway, so that's that. Um, Okay, so back to Super Bowl. Back to the Soups Bowl. We have to talk about Justin Timberlake. Now, I had expectations. Okay, what were they? First of all, I thought that in the, the, the light of... Of Me Too and uh, of Time's Up, everyone was kind of expecting Justin Timberlake to really come through in a big way, especially because he was offered this platform of redemption to to really publicly apologize for what had happened the last time he had this platform when he exposed Janet Jackson's nipple, and he never apologized for it. She did, and she's been banned or hasn't done whatever anything with the NFL ever since. Yeah. But he's given the opportunity to come back, still hasn't publicly apologized. And so now he's given a second halftime show, whatever. So I, I was like, listen, the only way he's going to like really like come through on this in a big way is if he either brings Janet out yep. or he uses his platform to publicly apologize or say something about what had happened. Um, and he didn't do either. No. And... Then he called on the ghost of Prince, oh, God, who hated him. Prince did not have it for Justin Timberlake, and that was some bullshit. So, um, so yeah, I and I I feel like there are a lot of people who had something to say about the fact that he like summoned the spirit of Prince in in not a hologram, but what like a, a sheet. projection or a, sh- a projection on a yeah. sheet. Yeah, I, I just thought it was like weak. No, absolutely not. No, I wasn't having it. First of all, the first song that he does is, rock. well, no, he did his song, and then he goes into Rock Your Body. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Rock Your Body was the song that, like, Uh gonna have you naked by the end of this song. And I was like, Justin, like, your people... All of it just felt like all of it was in poor taste. Yeah, it was tone deaf. It was completely tone deaf. Mm -hmm. And, And considering all of the... The, all of the dragging that he had experienced the month, like weeks prior to that for wearing his times up and his black and like not even saying anything about being a part of uh, being a part of that Woody Allen movie. Uh-huh. Like it just, it had, he had a, an opportunity. It was a major missed opportunity. Yeah. It's yeah. like, wow. He's, he's, he's added to the list of people who are just so out of touch mm-hmm. that they're not, it's it's out of touch either by like omission or by commission. Like they just they just don't want to do anything. Yeah, I like, agree with that. I add him to like like Jimmy Fallon. Like Jimmy Fallon's kind of like that. Whereas all of the other late night hosts like Colbert, uh, Seth Meyers, they're, they're really, really like taking people to task. Yeah, exactly. They're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're they're social commentating, and then you know he just wants to keep it light and fun when it's like no. That's kind of not what... And that was his big downfall when he interviewed Trump when he was campaigning, too. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of what took him down and off of his late night high horse. Exactly. You yeah. need to take... In, we're not in a really... It's, it's sad I to say. I still love Fallon, though. 
Yeah, I mean, he's still, you know, he's still adorbs. But I still love Jimmy, but... <clears throat> but with, um, with JT, yeah, it was just, no. Justin, I, it was just a missed opportunity. Furthermore, he has a new album out. Mm-hmm. And Thoughts? I don't care about it, do you? No. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are like, meh. I have a friend right. who, like, is really trying to get me to like the, the single from it, Filthy. Mm-hmm. And I listen to it, and I'm like, I don't like this. It's, I listened to his single one time. I was like, is this it? Mm-hmm. And then I have had no interest to listen to the rest of... No. And it's named after his son, which is sad, you know, because Silas means man of the woods. So oh, that's does his, it? Yeah. And oh. that's what his, his son is, his son's name yeah. is. Well... With Jay Beals. Well, but, sweet sentence, you know, sweet sentiment. JT, I wish you well. However, I yeah. wish you would have done more. Yeah. The um, I will say that the the marching band was pretty dope. Was pretty dope. That was dope. Listen, I love me a goddamn marching band. But no, I mean not 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 since like we had like last year. What was like last year was Beyonce, right? Was it no? It was Lady Gaga. Last, last year, year was Gaga. Yeah, last she year was Gaga. Slayed. The year before was Beyonce. Like you know, when you're coming off of those, it's mm-hmm. like it's like when they have the the one year where it's like and it's you know this like band that no one really cares about mm. no real diva mm-hmm. there was one year where it was like um beyonce and coldplay and bruno mars mm-hmm. and that was it was such a weird like cocktail of performers i was like in what world do these three exist and then you have like chris martin singing um the bruno mars like some Bruno Mars. Yeah, hit or like whatever. it was just, it was so strange. Uh, it was weird. Anyway, um, Justin Timberlake, do better. Do better. That's all we're saying. Let's move on. Olympics. Yep, NBC realness. Okay. Two weeks of ceremony and occasion. Mm hmm. And flag flying. More sports. And sporting. Um, But, like, some of the Winter Olympics sporting events are for goddamn ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) just who, who thought to ski backwards down a slopey ramp thing jump into the air, do a couple flips and land and then like go on obstacle courses and like skate rails and then do more loop-de-loops and think like, where does one learn how to do this or train how to do this? I That I, is some white Anglo bullshit right there. Curling. Come on. Curling. Oh my God. Curling. Curling. <laughs> curling. What did I write about curling? I wrote, um, the, the mixed doubles team from Americans, the Hamiltons. Uh, Matt Hamilton could get it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I, again, I don't pay attention to the athletes. I'm just, it was. It was like one of the first events, but it was like. I'm lying. I did pay attention to one athlete. We'll get to that. Continue. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Matt Hamilton. And I think, I, I think it's his sister, but he has like this awful like cop porn stash. And <laughs> it's, it's the two person team. Cause they're usually four people. And it's the two-person mixed doubles team. I remember watching this. I was at, oh, God, here we go. I was at Dave & Buster's for a five-year-old's birthday party. I know. And, of course, they had all the screens on, and they were watching. They had curling on. And everyone was just captivated because it's like, we have no idea what we're watching. So that's exactly it. There is something hypnotic Mm -hmm. about Olympic sports. 
I feel that you and I, Joe, are like really great examples of this. You and I are generally people who would not on a daily basis say that we give a shit about sports at Absolutely all. not. The Olympics come on and all of a sudden I am invested. I care about skis and snowboards and bobsledding and luging and curling and skating and speed skate. Like, why do I know these things? A lot things? of gerunds, yes. What, and like, so some friends of mine were over. We got into like this zone of watching ski jumping for like four hours and we were really invested in it. None of us gave a shit about it. We're like, why do we care? And we kept asking ourselves why we care, but it's the ceremony. Mm -hmm. It's the sense of occasion around the Olympics. It's the fact that like you can feel in these people's bones that they have been working for this for four years, if not longer and their whole lives, their entire lives are leading up to this moment. Their entire life. Could you imagine if your entire life depended on 20 seconds? Oh God. No. And then like you fell. <laughs> yeah. Like there were people who straight up like biffed and like scraped down the side of a snowy mountain or like slammed into fences. Like that's, that's your one minute of glory. Yeah. Sorry. And you'll forever be known as that. Right. No, because it's not televised, all the, all those quals and your entire journey to get there. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah. It's like for two, we- for two weeks, every two years, you're given permission to put all of your bullshit aside and just mm-hmm. sit down and zone in to NBC and get invested in sports that, yeah. that you never knew about, that you never knew you cared about until no. those two weeks happened. Um. Figure skating. Here's the athlete I care about. Javier Fernandez. Javier from Spain. Okay. In the men's single figure skating, he did something to me. Oh, gosh. That made me feel feelings. Sexy mm-hmm. feelings, Josephine. Really? Sexy time feelings I felt for Javier. Yeah. Um, I might need to look this up. He is beautiful and charming and lovely. And my goodness, I'm blushing. He was so good. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, and he could be a gay homosexual. I Maybe, but I kind of was like, I'm, are you not a gay homosexual? Because... I mean, he is a Spaniard, so... I, right? I mean, he's European. It's all the same, right? But yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, they hold hands. I mean, he's charming as fuck on ice. Just... <laughs> Adorable. Mm -hmm. So good. So figure skating I got into more than like any other year. I watched pairs. I watched like the, the, the full team nights and all that stuff. And every step of the way there was Tara and Johnny. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. Let me say this. If I was an Olympic athlete about to have my moment on Olympic ice, I would low-key resent the fuck out of Johnny Weir for stealing my thunder. I'd be like, fuck you. Why are you more sparkly than I am? Shut up. Your time has come and gone. No, they stole the show. They They really did. They stole the show. Like, they... People tuned into their Hunger Games realness. Oh, my God. Like, I I just loved it because I was watching... I forget what I was watching, but he... I think it was the men's... The beginning of the men's short program or long program where Nathan Chen was at the very end. Uh Uh-huh. And... He was like, oh, Johnny Weir's like, oh, he's going to set up to do this, this jump. He's going to set up to do it. And then he didn't. It's like, oh, he missed it. It led to half rotation. That's a point. Uh-huh. I was like, holy shit. Like, he did something that I will never uh-uh. in my wildest dreams be able to do. No one will ever in their wildest dreams be able to do. 
But I think what I loved most about the two of them as commentators is that they they actually like were super researched uh-huh. and they were super prepared. They know their shit. They They're know savage as fuck. They yeah. know their shit. They were like. They were just talking. They they talked so much about the point system, and I was, it was the first time I even tried, like, barely understood, uh-huh. uh, really started to understand the point system and how that all works. Because that's never, you know, it's all about the artistry. But they really brought, you know, for as like faggoty as the two as the two of them presented, yeah. they they really brought the sport aspect of it and out, and they took their jobs really seriously. They did. And what I heard them say also is that this is their full-time job. So they spend whatever, every two years, every four years or whatever, like doing the research, doing the work to work up to this moment, these Olympics where they, they know their stuff. They've done their research. They've watched all of like the, the preliminary events and stuff for every single one of these skaters. So that when they do hit the ice, they're like, they're so knowledgeable. Yeah. But like this is their full-time job now as retired Olympians. And Tara, bless it. I mean, this was the 20th year anniversary of her gold medal win. And Homegirl just desperately trying to hang on to her youth. Oh, <laughs> bless her. Unless she's only like 35. But still, she's like, I am now 35, desperately trying to hang on to my youth and my trendy gay best friend. Yeah. Yeah. And like I watched... What did I watch? I, I had I was like I don't think I've ever really seen Johnny Weir skate. So I watched him. I watched his poker face routine during uh-huh. the tour of champions, and I was like, "Damn!" And he was not out. He was not out during his yeah. years. Yeah. My God, that's a really interesting piece too. Because I always assumed that, like, I mean, if you go back, like Rudy Galindo, and mm-hmm. like all of like the the Brian 80s, Boitano. Brian Boitano, like all of the the early early eighties male skaters or whatever, like. They were so flamboyant. I just assumed that they were out forever. So to hear kind of now the commentary of like what it means to enter into the Olympic ceremonies as an out athlete. Yeah. Because you're entering into countries that view that as criminal Mm -hmm. or there are such severe stigmas attached to it. That was a really kind of interesting perspective too. Like, oh, you have reason to not be out. Yeah. At the Olympics. That's and crazy. One thing I, I was listening to another podcast, um, their Instagram handle is Gay Sluts Who Read. Um, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you all about it later. Please do. Um, but they were talking about, um, they were talking about Adam Rapon, um, uh-huh. you know, the first openly gay Olympic athlete um, to enter into the Olympics, um, which there's a great article in the Smithsonian Magazine about the history of like LGBT athletes mm-hmm. and why Adam gets that title, but there have been a the significant history of openly gay athletes. Uh-huh. Um, and with Adam specific, with the Olympics specifically, like it's, it's supposed to be a, like a political space and which is, which, you know, as we know, as, as human beings of this world, it's that like almost everything can be political. Uh-huh. Like there's a political aspect to everything. So they were talking about how like, you know, the black power salute and what happened in that Mexico City Olympics sure. when they did the Black Power salute and then they got all these things stripped away. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that, like, you know, being gay is, like, a being who you are is such a political act that to be as open as you are in these places to these countries where, you know, being you is, like, being you is a crime, mm-hmm. this entire... It, it it adds more to that. Like there's a there's a lot to be said to that. And ironic because you're there because you are you and because of your talent and because of your skill. So yeah. Exactly. 
Awful. Um, can we talk about the uh, opening ceremony outfit for Team USA? Yes. Yeah. How did we just jump right into the sports and not talk about the opening ceremony? I don't know. We just wanted to go. You wanted to talk about Javi. So, you know. I needed to talk about Javi and Tara and Johnny. Yes. Um, okay. Opening ceremony. Go. Um, I, I'm so glad Katie Couric. So as we're recording this in a couple hours, uh, the actual, the commentary for the closing ceremony mm-hmm. is going to happen. Tara and Johnny were just announced a few days ago that they're actually going to be doing the closing ceremony. They oh, did I not- didn't realize that. Yeah. So they're, they're doing the closing ceremony. They were called by their big boss. Um, and they said, you know, we're, we've been so happy with your performance. We would like the two of you plus the nondescript, the straight guy that's also there uh-huh. to do the closing yeah, ceremony. Who is that sad bastard? <laughs> I don't just know. Like he should just like go away. I'm like, you don't need him. He should. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad because when I was watching the, the opening ceremony, um, my God, what's her name? Uh, Katie Couric. Kind of boring. Kind of boring. And it's like every single, like if, if there was some sort of national tragedy that that country was dealing with, she would bring it up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like talking about like Bosnia, Herzegovina and Serbia. Yeah, and like the instead ethnic of cleansing. focusing on like the things to be celebrated in every country and the symbolism within the performances. And yeah, no, absolutely. I was like, damn, you were just, it was such a downer. And then I, you know, like Katie the Downer, and you know, oh my God! And then you have uh, Tonga, um, you have the Pita Taufatutfua from Tonga. Hey, now who is the standard bearer from the Rio Olympics that was all oiled up? Oh hell yeah! Came out oiled up again. Shit. And I'm just like Tonga. Can you just be at everything? Mm-hmm. Just have that guy everywhere. Uh huh. Yeah, um, I I almost want to like flash back to our text conversations during oh, girl, yes. during the opening ceremonies because we Joe and I went in on this. I'm just gonna back it up real quick, a little just a touchy touch. Um, but um, Brazil was just like straight up in shorts. It was like 19 degrees there that yeah. night, and they were just like, "We're just gonna come out in shorts, ain't no thing." Bermuda too, Bermuda as well, because they're Bermuda shorts. Oh, um, that's what it was. It was Bermuda. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you have like, I think one of my favorite outfits was Colombia, because they looked like they came out in these ponchos with these really cool hats, and I'm just like, "Yeah, Colombia. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah." Um. <laughs> the gay circle dancers. So, <laughs> so as every country was marching out, there was this sad little group of South Korean, like girls. I think I, uh, I want to say they were girls. I, I think only women could suffer that kind of. They pain. were circling like the inner circle of the ceremonial ring, and they just had like a solid step touch going like the whole time, it's and like, like they varied up their arms. But they just had like a basic solid step touch because guys, when in doubt. Bring it into your step touch. Yes. <laughs> Always. So anyway, they had these like arms going like side to side, some circular arms, some, circular some, arms like, some up, some up, some down to the side, to the side. It was like very jazzercised. Very Jane Fonda, uh-huh. Buns of Steel. Totally. Very... And I texted Joe. I was like, those gay circle dancers are going to hate their arms tomorrow. <laughs> They're the true winners of the entire, of the entire Olympics. Really? Um... I think I said, oh, you said, um, I have yet to see an unattractive winter Olympian, to which I responded, even the flag bearer from Turkey was hot. I was expecting him to have the European terrorist look. <laughs> this is true. Um, 
And then I said, here come the Americans. Look at how big our dick is. <laughs> there it is. So that you talk about their gloves, Joe. So, oh God. So <laughs> come on, Ralph. Ralph, Ralph, Ralph always does the American Olympian outfits. Ralph. Ralph. Why Ralph? Why? I mean, like it, it was, it, it was serving me. What was it serving me? Marlboro man. <laughs> it was serving me uh Jack twist at the rodeo broke back realness. A little bit. Um, but it was like, I think the main thing was like, is this appropriation? Are we appropriating fringe? And I'm like, Oh, I mean, it's a lot. Of, I mean, there are a lot of States where winter sports figure heavily that would like, that's an unironic. That's an unironic choice. Um, mm-hmm. I think the main thing about that jacket is the fact that it actually is heated. It's like yeah. a battery pack or cool. something. So technology and fashion combined. Yes, you're welcome. Out this fall, uh, <laughs> and I feel like with especially with um, uh, all of the outfits, like I had to remind myself that like they are outdoors in the winter in like record breaking cold at in um, Pyeongchang. And it's just like, yeah, I would want a heated jacket, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> also, Gus Kenworthy, um, who didn't do well in his events, but, you know, pretty much won the Olympics because he was just gay as fuck. Um, <laughs> I follow him on Instagram, surprising no one. Clearly. And uh, him and Adam Rapon are just, like, the gayest, the two gayest people. Let's talk about Adam Rapon. Uh, um, I lo- trash I- and the best. I know. I love that he went into the Olympics knowing he was not going to medal or place. He's like, I don't have the points to do it. I'm not attempting to do any quads or anything. But I'm just here representing to be gay as fuck and to have a good time and to make Reese Witherspoon proud. Yeah. And that's what he said. I just want to make Reese Witherspoon proud. And he did. And he did. He made us all proud. Hey, Adam. America loves you. Um, he, it has like, there were these signs that's like, I would not be at the Olympics if it was not for. And then he posted like one for the official Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then the one just for him on his Instagram was without, it would not, if it not for his haters. Uh huh. And I was like, yes. Yeah. And before, when I, when I started, when he started entering the consciousness as like, oh, he's the first openly gay Olympian. I saw that he did, um, he did a world of wonder video with milk who is a former yeah. figure skater as well. And he was like, yeah, is most she? of my, yeah, she is. I did the, not know when that. she enters the workroom uh, for the first time in her season, that matador outfit is actually an outfit that she used when she competed as a professional figure skater. Interesting. Yes. Uh, this is your gay trivia. <laughs> That's so gay. Um, gay as fuck Josephine. And um, he, they actually skated together uh-huh. and they was like so beautiful because they did like the back, mm. the back skating and they did the whole thing. And it was just, she attempted like milk attempted some trick and, you know, fell flat on her ass and was and it was it, I mean it looked would look fun but the thing about it is he's like yeah you know I just like I incorporate all these gay club hits in my you know I just I'm just trash I'm just <laughs> it's like I'm just you know trash I love oh my god I love him yeah Ugh, uh, good and on that other the gay sluts who read podcast they were talking about how Adam Rapon in like a previous competition landed incorrectly and dislocated his shoulder, mm. but then got up and did a spin and in such a way that he relocated his shoulder. Holy hell. And um and like finished the finished the routine. And I'm like, damn, that's like hardcore. Oh my God. Like that's that's some like that's some mask bullshit Guys, right there. Athletes do sports. 
Yeah. Oh my God. That's some hard shit. That's yeah. hardcore. And they do it in glitter. Yeah. So and represent. They do it in glitter. <laughs> um, I was all about uh, Team Korea walking in United, and I was literally that was really lovely. Li- literally sobbing. Yeah. Um, I love the moment of the torch lighting mm-hmm. when North Korea and South Korea were both together represented, kind mm-hmm. of sending the flame up. That was lovely. Yeah, up those stairs. Mm-hmm. Just- um, can we talk about the stairs? I thought that was going to be like an elevator <laughs> or an escalator. <laughs> they made them run. And it's like, well, okay, is it a commentary like the road to unity is like a Jesus. long, it's an uphill battle, but they'll get there together? They is that what it is? straight up stair climbed a goddamn mountain. Yeah. A mountain with an ice rink at top. Yes, with a Yuna Kim. <laughs> with Yuna Kim. Oh my God, who is just like, just like, just up there, just like, oh, it's like, oh, I've been here the whole time. Just uh, Yuna Kim. And like, look at how Korean we are. Yeah. Yeah, oh, good. But I will say, though, about the ceremony and performance of the the opening ceremonies, the performance components with the puppetry and the dance and the doors and the symbolism and all of it, like, the Asians know mm-hmm. how to put together an opening ceremony. Yeah. Because when it was in Beijing, it was the same, like, level of excellence that was... So impressive, and every time there was a new element introduced to it, you just thought, like, this can't get cleaner, this can't get more impressive, this can't get bigger, and it kept... Yeah. It just continued. It was so great. Yeah. It cements Korea, South Korea specifically. It cements mm-hmm. their their place in the world as a budding, like, as a budding force for technology, but also just as a world power in general. Sure. Because it was so... There was such this focus on, like, how how future forward Korea is and how cosmopolitan South Korea is and how cosmopolitan it is that I feel that's what they were really trying to come forward to. Like I remember with the summer Olympics in London where it was like, we wanted to talk about our like health program. They had a bunch of kids flying around in beds and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no, no, but like that's creepy and weird. Yeah. Creepy yeah. and weird. And, but like South Korea, they really focused on, at least in the opening ceremony about like the history, their culture, Mm -hmm. but then also what they're doing moving forward. Like Mm -hmm. with the drones, that Mm -hmm. thing with the drones and all Uh of those patterns, like that's insane. That was insane. Yeah. Really crazy. (sighs) What else you got, my dear? Do we feel like we've covered the Olympics sufficiently? Um, let me see. I feel like we have, I feel like it's time. I feel like it's oh Gangnam Style. We came out to Gangnam Style. I didn't that care was very, about that. Um, I think the last thing that I'll say about uh, the Winter Olympics. Let's Limbus put a button on the Olympics. Is uh, ahead, fuck Joe. Mike Pence. Sure, let's yeah. do that. <laughs> I will sure. just say that that he was there. We didn't care about it. There no. you go. You know that he sat down when Korea came out. <sighs> whatever. You know, in the form of protests. Dick. Whatever. This administration is embarrassing. Okay, um, and dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> really dangerous. He was going to have a meeting with North Korea while he was there or something like that. Yeah. No. <sighs> okay. Should we end on something happier? Can we put a button on the Olympics okay. um, by saying that in all of that, America didn't medal well? No. Sorry, guys. We have a gold medal in men's curling. We sure do. And, and Sean White. And ladies hockey. And ladies hockey. Yeah. And Sean White has his third career gold medal for his event three times. First Olympic athlete to do that three times Mm -hmm. and his gold medal that he got was the 100th gold medal for winter Olympics. That's pretty dope. And he's a local boy. He's San Diego. Go ahead. Flying tomato. We love you. Oh, and he is, 
he is a snack, as the kids say. He has aged real well. Yes. Because when he started, he was kind of like young, weird ginger, right? Yeah. And like just a like a ginger who was like doing snowboard stuff. And we were yeah. all like, meh, cool, flying tomato, whatever. Now he's like the daddy of the Olympics. Oh, God. So hot. I have so many. He like, cut off his stupid hair. Mm. And he looks great. He looks great. Mm. He is ripped. Mm-hmm. He, oh man, I. I yes. like that he also appreciates how old he is now comparatively in these Olympics too. He's yeah. like, I'm now the old guy here. So yeah, yeah, respect. Oh, and Chloe Kim, Chloe Kim, uh, the oh, female yeah. snowboarder. She's got hers. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So good. Good job, female snowboarder Sean White, the um, women's hockey team, uh-huh. and men's curling. Yeah. Way to look cute doing it. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. That aside, Super Bowl Olympics aside, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something right now, Josephine. Oh God, it's a pretty loaded statement, Uh-oh. but I feel it's the truth, the okay. ultimate truth we'll of speak February. Your truth. I'm gonna speak my truth this February because it's our time of the month. Mm-hmm. If nothing else happened this month, Black Panther happened. Oh God, and Black Panther was all of the art that we needed this month. Am I? Correct in saying that it's 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 enough to get us it it's enough to make up for the bullshit of the last it's enough to uh, like hopefully make up for the bullshit of the last year and hopefully to prepare us propel us forward. I mean, I'm just saying, like if if nothing else went down this month, if yeah. nothing else Black, artistic or Black lovely Black. happened, and we were exposed to no art and culture. You're welcome, world. We gave you the Black Panther. Yes, and son of a bitch. We have to go in on this. Okay, let me tell you how this went down. Okay. Opening weekend of Black Panther broke all kinds of records and amazingly so. Like, value the black dollar. Like, Mm -hmm. the power of the black dollar is amazing in the industry. And I think, like, the proof there in, like, the ticket sales of opening weekend were just phenomenal. And that's incredible. People were, like, there was a whole campaign to, like, buy out theaters to get people from... And they did. And they did. And I'm living for it. Because now more than ever... People, folks know that money talks, uh-huh. money talks. And that's how we're going to get, that's how representation, it, these people see it. For sure. Yeah. I was in Orange County um, that weekend on Sunday and our friend Carla texted me and she mm-hmm. said, girl, we're going to the Black Panther tonight at like 7.30. And I was like, oh, I'm in Orange. It was like five o'clock. And uh, I said, should I get in my car now and come down and meet you? And she was like, yes. Yeah, girl. What did she say? She was like. Uh, fine black men with no shirts on. Yes. I was like, I'm in my car right now. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, um, I ran down, Josephine bought me my ticket to make sure that I had a seat. Thank you. You're welcome. And And I'm getting sold out after that, I think. Yeah. And it did. And so, uh, we went with our friends, Carl and Jonathan and I, I don't even know where to start. Well, first, do you, (laughs) do you care at all about Marvel movies and superhero movies? No. I, I don't follow that in the way that you do. Yeah, I know that so, you're like a huge... So like I'm not a comic book reader, but I'm a comic book movie person. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've literally seen like ev- the last five or six, if not more, uh, Marvel movies, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies um, in theaters opening weekend. And it's like, it, it's a huge... It's, it's, I love it. It's, it's one of those like geeky mm-hmm. things that will, I will always... That yeah. will always be a part of me. We all have our things, Josephine. We all have them. Mm-hmm. So I was very excited to be there. Uh-huh. 
I I don't even know where to start. I I knew very very little about the story of it. Mm-hmm. I had seen some interviews and I had seen some um some information about the design mm-hmm. component of it which I was really interested in. And then I saw the movie. And like aside from it even being so important and so pivotal in black culture, it was just a phenomenal movie. Yeah. It was just a fucking dope film. It was amazing. It was, it was very um, good. So, yeah, go in. What are your, what are your thoughts on it? Um, <clears throat> my thoughts were, uh, I thought that, so I saw it a second time. Actually, oh, you did? Yesterday. I saw it in 3D. Oh, word. Um, and it was not, it was in those movies that you need to see it in 3D. Okay. So I thought it, it's fine to like stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it in, I loved it from a narrative standpoint. Um, it was very, it kind of had like a James Bondy feel, mm-hmm. you know, with like, you know, the technology and then like he's going to do a mission in a foreign country mm-hmm. and car chases. So the action elements of it were really great. Um, I thought that it was the right amount of political and, and quote unquote woke, uh-huh. um, the, like the opening to have like an opening scene in, in like, in Oakland, where mm-hmm. the Black Panthers like were formed, yeah, and it it brought up a lot of those questions. Um, it brought up a lot of those like uh, there's an article in BuzzFeed that's talking about how like Black Americans and Africans are trying to reconcile diaspora, um, uh-huh. and and it was just so interesting. And also um, Michael B. Jordan, not to bring him up too early, but Michael B. Jordan's character is one of the more nuanced villains that I've seen at least mm-hmm. in uh, the Marvel cinematic universe, because it's more than just, it's more than just let's mm-hmm. take over the world or whatever. It's, no, it speaks to like abandonment and like his pain and like yeah. racial pain and like, yeah. Oh God. It was, there are so many layers mm-hmm. to the story, like to speak on a societal level, to speak on a familial level, mm-hmm. to speak of your heritage. But I think that, the biggest takeaway for me was the representation piece. And I think that like we see so much power when like um, when little kids go to a movie or to the theater or to a concert or something and they get to see a version of themselves and they have that I see me moment. Yep. Um, that's so important. So there's all those, you know, those things that went viral of little kids looking at the Black Panther movie poster and being like, I get to be that guy. You get to yeah. be that guy. Mm-hmm. And that is so powerful. What was more powerful for me was the adults who needed that representation too. And we saw this community of amazing uh, people, like really established people in the world and our friends and family who just needed that kind of representation and recognition of like strong, beautiful blackness. Yeah. And, and that is so validating at whatever age you are. I love that. And like super validating because like, you know, listener, I don't, Untitled Friends, we are not, neither of us are black, Mm. but like the idea that I just felt so connected to it too, because Mm -hmm. as like a person, as a person of color Mm -hmm. who, who's vastly underrepresented in media, I was like, here's something for everybody because it's, if, if one of us succeeds, then we all succeed. And it's like, these, these are the stories that are going to be, that we're, that we're trying to get made. Um, the, 
the women in Black Panther. <sighs> so badass. Not a not a straight, all natural hair. I, I was trying to find this <coughs> thing on Instagram uh, that was like so eloquent and much more eloquently than any of us could ever kind of articulate. But the design component of mm-hmm. the Black Panther was um, so hair and costume and makeup and all of that. The the idea behind it was that there was no flat iron on set. There were no chemical relaxers. There were no wigs, none of that. No. But they wanted to show black hair in its natural state and in all of the variations of, of what that is. So braids and, and Afro and shaved and everything, like all of it, just so beautiful and strong and in, in in every incarnation we saw and that yeah. like the one scene where um she's wearing the wig oh yeah Okoye is wearing yeah. the wig and she's like like yeah, yeah to like be in disguise and mm-hmm. then she takes it off and uses the wig as a weapon yes. like oh it was so badass i loved it so much um yeah it was great and the costumes were phenomenal yes. all of this like africa reimagined but like really taken from from like a cross section of African tribes and, and reimagined to kind of look as like future Africa. It was just, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, when colorful and vibrant and beautiful Wakanda was never conquered by a white oppressor. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, these, these people don't need to, they feel like they don't need to be anything other than themselves. Mm -hmm. And like that, that whole, that part of it too was really interesting. Like the guilt that, T'Challa feels um, about um, the, like has like we are so blessed to have all of these resources, and we've spent so much time hiding when people who look exactly like us are have been oppressed and suffered for millennia mm-hmm. for for as long as time has been going on, and the the fear that that comes with of like you know we've only we're just gonna stay here and be it, and then like when you're walking through like Wakanda and you see like all of these people in like what a modern, <clears throat> what if, if the, if the leading power in the world, most futuristic city in the world was like an African nation, what would that look like? Uh-huh. And it was just a beautiful thought experiment. Um, Lupita and Yango made me straight for about two and a half hours. How beautiful is she? Oh right? my gosh. And she needs to play more action roles because she kicked ass. So great. And I think even that scene where she's speaking Korean, mm-hmm. that was so dope too, to just see like black women just conquering so many languages. Yeah. Just representation across the board. Like there were just so many things yeah. for every person to see and be like, oh my God, I needed to see that. Yeah. And and I think what was so dope about this was like, you, you didn't know how badly you needed to see it until you saw it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the biggest thing I was hearing from, from all my peoples across the board, myself included. I love that Daniel Kaluuya who played um, Wakabi, the, the traitor. Uh, mm-hmm. I love how... Um, he played him the way he would, he, the way he's played every character I've seen yeah. him thus far. And it was just like when he has that moment with T'Challa and he's all like, you know, your father had, um, your father had the same kind of principles. I guess I thought with you it'd be different, but I guess it's more of the same. Like mm-hmm. it was just so understated, mm-hmm. but it cut like in the right way mm-hmm. it needed to cut. And there was so much respect for women in this film. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, just phenomenal across the board. We talk about Michael B. Jordan for a second. Oh, God. Oh, my God. 
on. Um, oh was, my God, my panties were wet after. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I was explaining to my boss. She said, hey, have you seen the Black Panther yet? And I said, uh, yeah. I said, um, I, you're going to feel feelings when you see it. And she looked at me. She's like, well, what kind of feelings? I said, in the downstairs. Sexy feelings. You're going to feel sexy time feelings. Um, it's going to be like a sneeze, but better. <laughs> in reverse. Like a headache in your crotch. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> he was so hot. That moment where he took his shirt off and revealed. His scars. His kills. His kill scars. Oh. Oh, oh my God. Michael B. I've loved him from like Fruitvale Station. Yeah. I think he's been like one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood for a real long time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've loved him since Friday Night Lights. We're going way back. I didn't think that this was, I was really interested to see how he was going to make this character happen. Mm-hmm. And I just love how he was just so unabashedly like American yeah. too. And he was, when he's all like, hey, auntie. Oh, like, the best. Oh, and he was wearing like gold fronts and yeah. made it so, and made it believable. Yeah. And it ended up like, you know, and then his Black Panther outfit, it kind of echoes that with the gold mm-hmm. as well in his gold chain. Like it was just so, that was really cool. But, you know, the moment in his braids and mm-hmm. when he's like in the museum in his like, what I'm going to call uh, Jaden Smith chic, like <laughs> yeah. just looking fucking Awesome. I'm like, oh, God. Yes. Yes, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Again, really nuanced. Mm. And I just, I think he's he's been so underrated for so long. I'm glad he's kind of, you know, with Creed, I think people mm-hmm. started to really kind of, he kind of reached this, like, new platform of, of Hollywood. I think, I don't know. I just. Yeah. I'm so happy to see him in, like, such a great space right now. I love him. Um, I think the two scene stealers for me. Uh, were uh, a Le- little sister. Yes, yep. Shuri Letitia Williams. Little sister. She well, also apparently in the comics, she uh, Shuri becomes the Black Panther. She becomes the second Black Panther. She had the best dialogue in the whole movie. She really did. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other scene stealer, which was interesting because it's like it's such a black movie. Uh, Andy Serkis, who played Claw, mm. and he was like he just. I just love him because he can just disappear into anything. Yeah. And it was just so good to see this like completely unhinged, like madman. Yeah. And also the fact that he's like South African because he's talking about going to Johannesburg. Yeah. Just amazing. Cause he's also African himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Shuri and uh, Claw were really great. Um, it, it, it was such a good movie. I can't wait for um, Infinity War, which comes out later in a, in a couple months because they're going to go back to Wakanda Wakanda mm-hmm. features prominently in um, the Avengers Infinity War. So it's... So. These are things that I never would have known had you not been in my life, Josephine. <clears throat> well, he, he... We had the first taste of, um, of the Black Panther in um, Captain America Civil War because um, the scenes where his father dies actually take place in that movie. I didn't see any of this. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, like, the thing I love about Marvel is just, like, it's taking this whole episodic, this whole, like, super, like, epic style of of storytelling and telling it over a course of years but also with different films mm. so every film in is in the same universe and informs the next film after it That's so cool. like you get to see Chadwick Boseman playing um playing the new playing this Black Panther role but seeking revenge and then 
now he's like this king with more wisdom and knowledge and mm-hmm. I don't know. I went down a I went down a Marvel rabbit hole last night in preparation <laughs> for this. I bet you did, yeah. Um also Forrest Whitaker is like can we Forrest Whitaker is like he's all like um like T'Challa and I'm like, yeah. Yes, Forrest. Yes. <laughs> and and then the other thing too, the casting that was perfect casting. Casting was really interesting because the guy who plays young Zuri, who betrays um, the prince, the spy, mm. he, he's, his last name is Whitaker as well, but they're not related. Really? But they look so similar. That's crazy. Right down to the lazy eye. And um, the, the young T'Chaka, the first Black Panther, he is the son of the older guy, John Connie, who plays um, T'Challa's father in the spirit realm. So that's his son. Yeah. So like they, the family resemblance is there because they, their father and son, uh-huh. and then the language that they speak, um, John Connie, who speaks it fluently because like over how many million, like 8 million African people speak that language, taught it to Chadwick Boseman separately, uh-huh. like privately. So that way he could get the accent down. That's so dope. Uh, yeah, I went down a rabbit hole. I'm glad you did. That's awesome. That's <laughs> genius casting. Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah. Oh, God. Black Panther was one of those movies, too, that, like, it stayed with me for a while, you know? Yeah. It was one of those things that you're, you just kind of think about on loop for a real long time. Like Coco. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it stayed with me. Yeah. It's yeah. more than, it's definitely more than just a superhero movie. Um, I did love Sterling K. Brown. I was like, yes, Sterling yeah. K. Brown. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, hey, I forgot you were in this. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I yeah. was like. Oh my God, Sterling K. Brown as like mm. as like this gangbanger person, and then no, he's actually a revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good, all of it, so good. I'm, I'm, yeah, and I love that. Like, we're clearly set up for like another. We're set up for more. There's and definitely going to be more. It'll be interesting to see what happens, um, because apparently the so the fan theories, and I'm going to geek out for a little bit. Fan theories about what Black Panther means for the rest of the Marvel movies is that in uh, according to my buddy who is a comic book person and a video game person Wakanda ends up becoming like the hub for the Avengers because of all of its security and technology mm. so and it's like a place where people go to hide out and things so we actually might start seeing more about of that r- world in the movies but it's supposed to play a really big part in Infinity War so yes. very exciting real dope nice Wakanda forever, friends. Wakanda forever with the crossing of the hand. <laughs> let's leave it at that. Um, okay, let's let's end today on... Now, Joe had assigned me homework that I did not do. Yes. Um, Which is fine because I also did not do okay. my homework. <laughs> I was supposed to get caught up on or watch one day at a time the Netflix reboot. Joe was supposed to get caught up on the Gianni Versace story. And neither of us did those things. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay because we are a flawed people. Yes. And I accept you, Joe. I accept you, Wendy. Thank you. Yes. This is why we're good. We encourage each other's laziness. Is it time for Fag Corner? Uh, It's time for Joe's Faggity Fag Fag Corner. All right. Sing the song. So, (laughs) Joe is super homosexual and faggy too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There it is. And you had to see like the jazz hands that yes, he like, just, just, he like pushed up to his upstage left and upstage right. I corner. was basically Good. doing like, you know, the hand motions from mm-hmm. the, from the gays. From the, the Olympics. From the Olympics. <laughs> the South Korean step touchers. Yeah. <coughs> um, um, there was some good jazzercise happening. Um, there. RuPaul right away. Okay. Are so you caught up? 
Yes, I'm caught up. Okay. Now, did we discuss your theory on the podcast? We d- I don't know if time? we did, but let's just bring it up. Okay. So, The Handmaid's Tale Theory with RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. So, as you're, as we're recording this, um, spoiler alerts. I mean, this whole thing is a spoiler alert. I mean, so. really. If you haven't seen Black Panther and you're then, listening to this, sorry about yeah, it. Yeah, fuck you. So, it's fine. <laughs> we don't care. We, we, we but, expect that you're up to date before you listen to us recap Exactly. It. You had a whole month, You folks. had a month, guys. Now it's art time. It's art time of the month. Exactly. There you go. Um, as we're recording this, the most recent episode that happened is Aja went home and then... Mm. Um, the two handmaids, uh, Chad and Alaska, come out with three handmaids, which is interesting, that, that have not yet been revealed. Did they? They came out with three? I saw three. I noticed like I noticed black arms with tattoos, and I was like, okay, that's probably Chi-Chi. But I don't know who the other two are. Oh, that's right. They came out with the... Th- yes. The three so handmaids. three elim- Got it. Okay. So <clears throat> the... The theory that my friend... I'll give full credit to where credit is due. My friend David... Um, sent me is that uh, Bibi Zahara Benet is actually a plant. She's actually this like some sort of double agent. And yes, uh, mother. Exactly. And she keeps saying mother, which is a Handmaid's Tale thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just apparently just like in the Handmaid's Tale, uh, she has, uh, there's like a double agent plant person in there. And so for some reason, she's going to like either ch- help choose the next queen or help bring back somebody. And then, this is actually helping her boost her profile mm-hmm. among the new, the fans that may not have seen her season, which I'm included in that because mm-hmm. I did not watch season one. I know what I need to know about it. And I've not watched the full thing and it will help like eventually build her profile. So that way when Rue, the ultimate goal is that RuPaul will get what she's always wanted is a all-star of all stars. She wants all the winning Queens to come back and do mm. one final competition to see who the baddest bitch is. Oh, um, I think, okay, as we are right now, um, I, Ben is going to take it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Ben is untouchable right now. Ben de la creme mm-hmm. uh, is just crushing the game. I was happy to see Trixie step it up this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like it's going to come down between... Ben, Shanji, Trixie. Yeah, I think Kennedy's next to go. I hope she's not. I would love to see Kennedy in top three, but I don't know. She's come out so... She's been a little more subtle about it than the way Morgan was. But she's come out as basically saying, like, you know, I'm getting rid of people Mm -hmm. because I'm going to get rid of people who are threats to me, basically. Uh Except for, like, Shangela and Chi Chi Devane, which Chi Chi Devane overstayed her welcome. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. There was a lot of people who should still be there. She was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think she was ready for this season of All-Stars at all. No. no. Um, was really happy to see Trixie uh, step it up mm-hmm. and and to, like, realize it, like, in herself. No. Is she is she the queen? Is she, like, that All-Star queen that can stand up next to Chad in Alaska? I don't know. Ben can. Ben can. Like, when you're looking Shangela at, like, can. who can step it up. I don't know if Shangela can. <clears throat> I think Shangela... I think Shangela is is the queen we want, but I think Ben de la Creme is the queen we deserve because she actually... <laughs> oh, God. I know. Yeah. How gay there. was that statement? I know it was. I just want you to pause and reflect on your gayness for a second. Yes. Can I, you just have a moment? Hold on. My breath just, smells I like mean, cock. Um, <laughs> Joe. All right. Yeah. Okay. Put your tap shoes back on me. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. Ben, I just think Ben is just a f- 
goddamn delight. And mm-hmm. she's going to take it. Yeah. She's going to take it. So we're nearing the point now where like the eliminated players are going to come back and, yeah. and we'll see what happens there. We'll see but what happens. We're at the halfway mark, friends. Drag queen realness. Yay. Um, so last week, my friend um, Andrew, who is a big fan of uh, Drag Race. I haven't heard from him in almost a year. And he texted me and he said, hey, I... Uh, signed myself up to do RuPaul's Drag Race trivia, and I'm getting a team together. Do you want to come and play? Oof. And I was like, yes! <laughs> so I've created my study sheets. Like, we're playing tomorrow night, and next month I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, please do, because I I have watched since season one. Mm-hmm. Well, I went back. I, I saw season one when it aired in repeats, like, mm-hmm. years later. Um, so I started at season two. But um, I struggle with remembering the names of all the queens. Okay. Like, there's only, like, a handful that I will remember forever. Yeah. And, yeah. So I feel like trivia is something that I would be really shockingly bad at, actually. I Well, it's just because I'm... So, full disclosure, I host a trivia night for the last three years. I've been hosting a trivia night. And in addition to that, I've been playing for another five so I kind of know... And all of your trivia nights are centered around different, different themes, things. right? Different themes. Sometimes it's different themes. Sometimes it's just general. But um, I've been a part of a team that was like a serious, like serious contenders for this like semifinal, final round. Mm-hmm. And what kind of all goes into that is a ton of preparation. So you always kind of ask, well, what what would people ask? Mm-hmm. So like what I have in my, my study guide that I'm creating, and if Andrew hears this, he's going to be like, wow, you created a study guide? Um, in my study grade creating, it's just like, okay, who are the first eliminated queens every season? Because that's mm. always going to be something. Who are the finalists for every season? Who um, who are the judges? The judges who are the permanent judging panel for every season mm-hmm. over the course of history. Uh, when did Michelle Visage start? Because she wasn't from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the different prize money? Because uh, prize money's been different since the beginning. It was like twenty five, seventy five, and then 100000 mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is my... It's gay. Really yeah. gay. It's real gay. And I'm single, y'all, so <laughs> I'm on the market. Hey, do you want a trivia queen? Yeah, I'm a trivia queen. Holler at your girl. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the the welcoming back of Will and Grace. Have yes. you caught up? Have you watched? I have watched and I have caught up. Okay. And I, I, I like it for what it is. It's uh-huh. it, uh, uh, the main thing about like shows like One Day at a Time is that does the multi-camera sitcom still work with the audience laugh track? Uh-huh. And I think it still works. I think it's that element of nostalgia that people like, but I also feel like there are things that you can do in that format that work better than if you were to do a single camera. Like there's just something about hearing live audience reaction to jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I mean, that's why I love theater. Like, you know, there's something about live audience. Mm. So uh, so I think that as far as, like, Will and Grace coming back in the format, I think it still tracks. Um, and they are filmed live. So, yeah, and, yeah. They're, and they're filmed live. And I feel like um, they're really making an effort to... I think that was a conscious effort in the beginning to have more gay affection. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, a gay kiss every single episode, mm-hmm. uh, when which there was a huge critique of the... The original. Of the original. Well, and we talked a little bit about this last month too, but the first the first incarnation of Will and Grace was was so groundbreaking because in the nineties there were still a lot of barriers that had not been had had not yet been broken down. Mm-hmm. Um so a lot of that series, seasons one through seven, 
Seven. Um, eight, I think. Eight, yeah. Something um, like that. Because it was 98 to 2004. Yeah. Maybe? Eight, Some, eight so. season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, A lot of that is really dated. There are a lot of references to the fact that, like, well, we can't get married. And um, uh, yeah. there's a lot of, you know, there hadn't yet been a gay kiss on television yet. And, you know, of course. Now. They did this whole thing about the human rights campaign and yeah. how it's like, oh, yeah, I went to the HRC gala. You uh-huh. know, the human rights campaign, which does this, that, and yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, well, you know, that, and I think probably I know about the human rights campaign or have known because it. Because of that. Because then, of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating. Which yeah. is great. But now it's just such a part of our vernacular and mm-hmm. and it's just woven into the fabric of pop culture today now. But like, really, that first incarnation in the 90s was, yeah. you know, was paving the way for this. So, yeah. so yes. Respect. Respect. Um, I I don't know. I struggle with the should it or shouldn't it have come back. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when it came back as part of the um, the Dear Honey campaign, mm-hmm. you know, as as a way to get people to vote again, like I I thought that was real genius, really genius, you know, and and it was such a um, a brilliant kind of gimmicky thing, you know, to, to surprise the world with the, the reuniting of Will and Grace and Karen and Jack. Um, I like the idea of it kind of having a second life, but also like I almost kind of had so much respect for the first that I'm like, can we just not touch it? Do we have to keep revisiting these things that were such gems in their time? Like, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that there was, I think the only real reason that it came back is because people felt that it felt like, you know how, like when the, 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 the balance of power, right? So mm-hmm. when you have this like growing darkness and evil sitting in, in the current administration, mm-hmm. you, people were nostalgic for times where that helped get them through that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where kind of will and grace sits. It sits as this like shining light, of uh, queer progressivism in in a world where uh, where that darkness is. Um, that being said, it's not without its problems. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I also struggle with that as well because I do love that we get to have these characters for a little bit longer. Uh-huh. But <clears throat> I also think that I also think that if it ended after this season. It would I, be perfect. I would be fine. Yeah. I don't necessarily... Like, it was already renewed for a second season, essentially a 10th season. Yeah. Before season one had really even gotten underway. There's yeah. season nine, really. Um, so, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I struggle with that. I kind of go back and forth. Of course, I still watch it every week. And there are funny things every week. Yeah. But then there are also thing where, things that feel... Forced. Forced and, and, and unnecessary. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's another reboot that came back again. I was wondering, like, do we need to touch it? It was such a gem in its time. Queer Eye came back on yes. Netflix. Okay, so I this is new to me. I just started what, yesterday. Oh no, I know. So it's very present no. in my brain right now. It's very, very present. Um, how far are you? I have two more episodes. Okay. I was a weepy hag on my couch all day yesterday. It was. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the reboot of Queer Eye is exactly what you were talking about, that hope in dark times that we need right now. Um, who is who is the 
the the black gentleman Karamo 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 when Brown. he had his moment with police officer oh god I was a mess. I think that like what's brilliant about this series is that every single one of them is having a kind of featured moment as an oppressed person mm-hmm. to connect with a straight man and help them heal. And so there's healing in, in all of the Fab Five happening. You know, when Tan is kind of talking about growing a Pakistani and he's working with the Indian man and like kind of overcoming cultural barriers oh, yeah. to be gay. Like, I mean, and Karamo's moment as a black man with a police officer, like... When that episode started, I had, like, legit anxiety. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I love how, like, Jonathan's, like, filming it. And I'm like, girl, you're on a reality show. It's everything's being filmed. Yeah, I know. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, it was it was highly produced, obviously, because Queer. it's reality television. And it's all in Atlanta. And it's in Atlanta. So which, the original Queer Eye was... New York. Was it all in New York, though? Well, I feel like they started branching out and going to other cities. I know that. I think, and the thing in the first season, it's like it's it's based on New York City, but mm-hmm. then they go surrounding areas, and mm-hmm. they did some parts in LA. Mm-hmm. But This series is all in Atlanta and surrounding Georgia communities, which yes. is interesting because, because it's exploring these issues, mm-hmm. gay issues, in the South. Yeah, in a red state. And Atlanta is still really like the last of the... The industrialized southern cities, you know, not industrialized, but you know what I mean? Like, you have family that live in Georgia, right? I do. My brother is in Atlanta, and it's the last of, you know, that borderline deep south, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before you kind of start to to come north a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's interesting because there is such a cross section, there is such amazing culture within the heart of Atlanta. Um, but then there are endless suburbs of Atlanta. Yeah. And so the surrounding areas have tons of prejudice and tons of stigma. And, um, and so I think that what they're doing with this series, especially in that city is just really, really brilliant. Um, my, my things about, I, so I have a couple things about the, about the new series. Uh, my, I love what it does better than the original is that, um, with Carson Kressley in the first one being the fashion guru, he took these guys, these like well-meaning, basically like liberal straight guys, took them to high-end fashion designers and basically told them, like, told them how they needed to dress and mm-hmm. dress them up like really, dress them up really gay and and like never really paid. I felt like never really paid attention to their style, like kind of gave them a permission to go outside of that a little bit. Whereas with Tan... I would push back on that for a little okay. bit. Push, push. Tell me, push. I just... I think that what he did was... He did pay attention to their style. Mm-hmm. He didn't necessarily pay attention to their economic status. Yes, because it was a lot of labels. So we, there were tons of labels. He would take them to designer places. But if so-and-so was a little woodsier, he'd take them to... You know, it's just like really high end, like outdoorsy places or whatever. But like, so Carson Presley, I think, did kind of hit the style of the straight guys correctly, but he did so without like economic means. Whereas Tan is taking guys to Target. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. He's taking them like to Target. There's a whole, they did a whole episode in Bonobos, which is, which is an online thing. Um, did, like took him to like a vintage store. Right? Vintage like, store. Yeah, like like a- he is really, he is really like focusing in on what they can afford as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something, that's like the main point of, of it. it is the, mm-hmm. the affordability. Um, the other thing is that Jonathan Van Ness is a ray of sunshine mm-hmm. that I've been following for years and years and years. And 
he is like an actual like cosmetologist like hairdresser mm-hmm. so the the idea of and he's like, the gayest of the five and gays he's the gayest of them all <laughs> uh but like Kyan, who was the original grooming guy, mm-hmm. he had. Like, I didn't like Kyan at oh, all. Oh, I loved him. See, I didn't like Kyan because I felt him. like every time he would meet them in front of the salon or whatever, he'd be like, "Yeah, bro, hey, bro," and I like have this thing about like gay guys broing on other bros. But I feel like Karamo does that too. But uh, see the thing, but like with Kyan, it was like you're the grooming guy, so it's like let's go bro out and then like get pedicures and like it just is, <laughs> at the time I was just like there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. But with Jonathan. There is an intimacy, like as we all know, who you know, who have the gays that cut our hair. There's an intimacy when you're in someone's chair mm-hmm. and you're there and you're letting this, you know, really flamboyant man touch your head and like give you this haircut and really bring it out in you. Like, the, I love the idea that like the grooming guy is actually grooming them. Uh huh. Like, I'd like that too. Like I that, do. That's one of my favorite things. Um, he's a little too like yes queen for me. Yeah, he's, but he's a little too about his moments. That's it. I mean, I also there are moments where he's the one that's like making me laugh mm-hmm. and just chuckle throughout the episode. But there were also like when the when I watched that first episode, I was like, oh, is he going to be too much for me? And uh, he strikes a balance. He yeah. does, which I find delightful. I mean, yeah. God damn it, Netflix, you've done it again. I know you've um, done it again. My favorite. A Fab Five member? Uh-huh. Can you guess? Is is he the food guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Guess. What's his name? Anthony. Anthony with an I. With an I from of Canada. Of course. Um, there's a whole thing, there's like all these articles right now about whether or not Anthony knows actually actually knows how to cook. I'm all about Karamo and Tan for the record. But um, I, yeah, I see that. Yeah. I mean Karamo, yes. Mm-hmm. But Anthony is like he kind of looks like uh Sean from Boy Meets World. Yes. <laughs> You went there. I did go there. And he has like this really big smile. And I just like, you know, and his Instagram is just Mm. full of food and shirtless pictures. Mm. So like, I mean, (laughs) of course I'm following him. (laughs) Like, but I love, um, I love me some Anthony. Mm -hmm. Um, he can get it. He can get it all day long. Yeah. There, what's interesting is like, I think the way that they're featuring all of the Fab Five in in the the reboot is is really different in the way that they did it the first time around. Um, and also, the first time around, it had commercial breaks and things like that. So this is really a continuous 45-minute journey yeah. um, with no interruption, which I love. But the um, like, I feel like sometimes food is not featured as much No, in this. I no. also feel like the design process isn't as <laughs> featured as much oh in the God. sense of like the, the remaking of homes and such. Um, so focusing a lot more on like culture, hair, and... Um, Fashion. And clothing, mm-hmm. you know. So I'd like to see a little bit more of design and food. Yes, I'd like to see. I'd like to see more of Anthony. Period. But I think that the chemistry between the five is really great too. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm just loving it. There was a video that was released ahead of um, ahead of the season f- dropping, which is they're all at brunch. The uh-huh. Fab Five old and the Fab Five new. No. Yeah, I gotta you find shut it. Shut your face. I'm trying to post it. Uh, the only missing member of the Fab Five old is Tom. Who oh, or Ted? Thumb. Ted? No, Ted. Oh. Uh, Tom is there. Okay. Tom Felicia. Yeah. Uh, but Ted, who is the food guy, um, is was missing. He's the only one there uh-huh. that was missing. Because um, he's probably working for the Food Network. He's working for the Food Network, and he hand chose Anthony when they. He, That's great. He said, um, "I read somewhere where it's did like, they have a hand in selecting who the new Fab? I think were? they did because it's such. It's like one of those shows where it's like you don't want to. 
it's you're rebooting it for a specific purpose, but you also don't want to insult the people who came up beforehand. Uh-huh. So I feel like they might have had like a hand in it. I love that. And I think if they, I think Ted definitely had a hand in like choosing Antony as his successor. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see the two of them together, like the two, um, the two groups together at brunch talking about, oh. you know, how they, what, what the old show and doing it that first time meant to them and mm-hmm. what it means to the new Feb five who watched them. Like mm-hmm. that was really cool. Yeah. Where it was like, we, we watched you pave the way for us. Yeah. Yeah. That was beautiful. Um, yeah. I can't wait for season two. It yeah. Needs to happen already. I, I was very, very skeptical of it. And then at, slowly, but surely people started telling me like, and just texting me like, Oh my God, I'm watching queer eye and weeping. I was like, really? Ugh, do I have to get into yeah. this again? And yesterday, friends, mm-hmm. I got into it in yeah. a mage way. It yeah. was me horizontal on my couch for a long period Days of time. And <laughs> just weeping and giggling <clears throat> and yeah. weeping some more. <sighs> and then like the gay guy who came out. Oh my god. His episode, that's the last one I watched. When they're all like holding each other as he's doing it to his like to his um, stepmother. And he was this like hot leather daddy too. Ooh, what up? I know. Oh my God. Because I, I, I often forget that like Atlanta for as being in Georgia as it is, it's a very queer That's city. That's what I'm talking about. Like Atlanta, there are so many subcultures and, and subsets of what is acceptable and what isn't. And especially like within the black community too, like there is such a huge gay community, but there's also a whole community of men who are on the DL and like, and closeted because of their being gay in black culture. Like it, there's so many stigmas to it. And I think that that's the genius of what Queer Eye does is really breaks that down and exposes it and, and shines light on it for everyone. Yeah. I love it. Oh my God. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys. Um, okay. So we are wrapping up February, the shortest month of the year. Yes. Um, next, next month untitled friends. Guess what time it is. It's Oscar time. Oscar. Oscars. Uh, the Oscars are on March 4th. We might have to watch that together. Um, mayhaps. Mayhaps. Or I'm, something. Or like at least yeah. separately, but like text it. I think we might have to separately, but text it. May I'm certainly recording them. I feel like maybe what we can do is like recap again, have mm-hmm. like a reviewing or something. Um, but the Oscars, friends, this is my Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. I mean, this is it. Do you so, have an Oscar? Do you Oscar ballot? Do you do all of that? I do. I also have an Oscar party with my students. Yes. With my children, people. So on Friday, what I do traditionally is um, I have them get red carpet ready. Mm. They dress up. So all of the kids in my performance troupe are extra all day. Like heads are so fancy, red carpet fancy. And uh, we have a red carpet party all day. And then... When we're in rehearsal, I have them all fill out Oscar ballots and we watch the animated shorts that are nominated for that year. Yes. And it is like one of my favorite days of the school year. Yes. And then uh, the following week, I give them all back their Oscar ballots and, you know, some kids get like two right and some kids get like 14 right. And, you know, if I buy them like a candy bar or some shit, I don't know. Be careful. So I watch the animated Oscar shorts in theater, in uh-huh. the theater with my buddies. And um, my two straight buddies, love them. We went to David Buster's after. Uh, and um, they're, 
There are two that are a little disturbing. Uh huh. Yeah. But they I usually mean, are. But they're. But it was fascinating. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So my Oscar party is this Friday. Oscars are this Sunday, and I I don't know or really care whatever what other art is happening in the month of March, guys. <laughs> it's really yeah. for me. It's all about the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to Europe at the end of March, so I will be seeing some art abroad, mm-hmm. and I'll be bringing that back to you, friends, yes. in April. Um, what do you have going on next month, Josephine? Oh, next month. Um, nothing really, uh, nothing really, uh, out of the ordinary. I'm, I just need to rev- uh, you know, I love EW. So it, that always tells me what's going on in the uh-huh. next month. <laughs> uh, but I got nothing, nothing immediate at the moment. Cool. Um, not the way like February was with Black Panther and the Olympics. So. For I'm real. just excited for the Oscars. Yeah. 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 All right. So maybe we'll have like a full on Oscars hour friends. I mean, Anything can happen. It's art time of the month, guys. Yeah. I might do like I, I do like the idea of doing like theme snacks. So I might Ooh. have like, you know, a some like peach cobbler a la call me by your name or <laughs> with like a really heavy cream on it. Or, ew. I know. I mean ew, you did that. <laughs> something, you know, yeah. I have something for each one, you know. So untitled friends, we encourage you to find your nearest friend who is a SAG after member. Yes. Get involved with all of their screeners. So that you can see all of the movies that are nominated and uh, and be ready with your Oscar ballots for this Sunday. But mm-hmm. um, this was a good February recap. Yeah, it was. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Yes. Um, Untitled Friends, until we see you again in March. Bye. Goodbye.